Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refule Tobeja. She's a go-getter. Tenacious. Resilient, without a doubt. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Conversations with Pioneers, introducing the next generation of innovators, entrepreneurs and thought leaders. And I'm your host, Rifilwe Tobeja. We are creating this episode from the lush suburbs of Club View in Centurion, right next to a golf course. So I'm surrounded by nature, green trees, all sorts of birds and animals, especially the Hadida. So don't say I didn't warn you. It's quite a beautiful scene. So today I'm talking to Reabezu Molapo, who is a strategist, thinker, problem solver, millennial consultant, and founding director of Young Earth, an organization aimed at motivating, developing, and enriching young minds on topics of leadership and entrepreneurship. She is co-founder at Think Africa, a millennial problem-solving platform using tech solutions. Rebeetu is passionate about mindset and human capital development, as well as influencing the trajectory of innovation among the youth of South Africa and creating platforms for more young people to be involved in the fourth industrial revolution for IR. Rebeetu, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Rafilwe. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Before we dive right deep in, how are the studies going at Henley Business School? Your shots are being fired. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I'm, 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 it's sort of like a, a very humbling experience, but also great because of the kind of classmates that you get to have, the teammates that you have. The content also is very relevant to what is happening currently in, in Africa and in the world at large. But I really am enjoying it. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are enjoying it and kicking. But where are you based, Rabbit? I am based in the East Rand. Mm-hmm. Where are you originally yeah. from? Uh, so I was born in the East Rand and then around about uh, 2005, spent all of my high school in Polokwane. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about yourself. Let's know who we're talking to here. Who's Rea Bejumalabo? kind of information do you want to know um i'm i just i think i'm the typical girl next door <laughs> like i'm ordinary jane i'm typical girl next door you know an only child so a single parent mother um, i know what struggle is i've resorted to hard work because of understanding mm. the hardships and growing mm. up in hardships and understanding how most young people grow up and the situations and circumstances mm. that they find themselves in and mm. identifying with a lot and so trying to then see if i could be in a position to then assist those that need that assistance Amazing, amazing. We will uncover those layers as we go along. How is Mm. SA doing in terms of embracing the 4IR and which sector still needs to get the memo? South Africa, I think in general, Mm. we're not doing so bad, but I do think that we can do better. So it's Mm -hmm. a matter of 
having the majority of the population, which is the young people. And that's why I stress the young people. And when you look at the statistics and you see that Africa as a whole, the majority statistics consists of young people, about 60% mm-hmm. of them. And so this is mm-hmm. a huge number of people that are currently, say, for example, some of them are unemployed. And, and once we're able to then shift the mindset and shift the skills into the fourth industrial revolution, into understanding what tech is, and it doesn't have to be advanced tech, but just how to basically use technology um, in their mm. everyday lives to advance themselves, to improve themselves in the workplace or if they're not working as they pursue small nyana enterprises, whether mm. it be selling on WhatsApp, whatever the case is, but how mm. to use technology mm. for their advantage. I'm looking at our other African countries, your Kenya, your Rwanda. Guys, th- those people are on point. And I feel that, mm. you know, that's literally where South Africa is lagging. It hasn't yet identified where it really can step into that market and advance mm. its young people, advance its people in general. And if we don't jump on the bandwagon, we most probably will be left behind. My view also is that South Africa, we do have the potential to innovate. Technology is like a very ambiguous I don't know if I should say monster, but people really look at it as a scary topic and, you know, Mm. things from Europe and America. But if you look at history books, if you go through and dig deep, most of innovations come from our continent. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot can be said about even our own economical uh, development. And if we focus on technology and innovations, most probably we'd be able to jump over and benchmark with China. Yeah. Do you think there's a, a specific sector that's still lacking behind in SA? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> spill the beans. <laughs> number. Um, I think, look, there's quite a number of, of really misalignments that I see within our country. Government sector, people, really needs to up its game. It really needs to understand that it's working with people and people's lives. They are literally there to service people and they're not there to enrich themselves or um, advance themselves. And in serving people, you know, you need to learn to be accountable to them and the resources that they're using. So that's literally most probably, if I could say, a sector that needs to get the memo. It needs it needs to get the memo and it needs to understand, you know, sometimes we, we speak in, in conferences and seminars and say we wish government could be more like the private sector, even no. in service delivery and, you know, <laughs> learn to be competitive they mustn't get paid salaries in jail just because they are there at work and taking tea at 10 o'clock and one o'clock but understanding that you know they're there to literally provide a particular service but they themselves they they need to be competitive in doing that you know it's not nice for our grandmother to go to the clinic at 3 a.m and only be serviced at about 3 p.m and get home at 6 p.m Yeah, because it's a whole planned trip when they have to go to the clinic just to get medication. And that's just one aspect of the full thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your organization, Young Airs. So Young Is for me came about pure from my own experience. So after I explained to you that I grew, I was born in Springs, uh, spent most of my primary school there. And then when I started my high school, moved to Polokwane, I guess that's where I was open to quite a lot of things. I engaged in quite a number of activities, your public speaking, don't and, mm-hmm. you know, became a leader in high school. And then afterwards was granted an opportunity to study accounting at the University of Cape Town. Now in choosing that particular subject, I chose it mainly because 
some lady came to our school in a nice two-piece and stilettos and, you know, said that, <laughs> look, if you want to be in a very nice, bougie career and if you wanted money, this is a career for you. Now, I wasn't too shabby with the numbers. I mean, I was one of those top 10 students. However, I don't think it was my passion, right? So you start mm. this whole thing of choosing subjects and going into university. Fine, you know, you go to what people say is one of the top universities in the country. And by round about second year, I really felt misaligned. I felt misaligned. I've spent most of my time in radio more than anything. Banked a couple of ecos and accounts classes there, but <laughs> found <laughs> guilty. <laughs> and 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 just found myself realizing that I was more engaged in your black management forum events and Toastmasters and young women in investment sciences uh, societies and wanting to develop people more instead of being in the in the lecture room. But irrespective of that, I had to drop out because of financial reasons. And so when mm-hmm. I got back home in Polokwane, I saw the disconnect between young people and information that we're given about like university institutions and subject choices, etc. So the birth of Young Airs actually came from my own experience and how I didn't have somebody to mentor me or to hold my hand or to talk to me about, okay, so this is how you prepare for this. This is how you plan for this. And to kind of give me those guiding steps to say, look, first of all, you choose a school based on this, but then also Mm -hmm. you choose your courses based on your talents, based on your Mm -hmm. passion and not just Mm -hmm. you're good in math. Okay, go there. Or you like accounting or is Mm -hmm. this a secure career? Mm -hmm. Because even now with COVID, what we thought was secure is no longer so secure. The whole birth of young heirs was from wanting to give the young people of Polokwane at that time from the township areas and the villages more information because there's that huge gap mm. of information, lack of information, infiltration. And obviously back then, technology was not a thing. So, you know, people didn't get information from your Facebooks or from social media. Everything was, did you attend that convention? Did you attend a career? What, what? And those mm. are the things, even though I actually went to quite privileged school, I didn't have access to that. You know, um, mm. I didn't know that. And so that's how Young Is came through. And over the years has developed into more focus on entrepreneurship mm-hmm. development and leadership development mm-hmm. and how to then channel young people into believing that and into understanding that they can be leaders in their respective fields and leader also doesn't necessarily mean being on top of a particular log you can be a leader a 360 degree leader as john maxwell would say an all-rounded mm-hmm. leader or leading from the bottom the top the side whatever the case mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and that as young people we have the power to actually influence society influence how current affairs works influence how politics works and you see it through things like fees must fall movement that started Mm. off as a hashtag and it's really into going into policies now although Mm. it's a struggle but what i'm trying to say is that young people need to learn to use what is the resources that's in their hands technology to Mm. get and to change things whatever that they're not happy with learn to use that for their benefit And then we also then have included services of consulting where we consult with mostly SMEs. And if you're a young person with a nine to five, you then assisted on how to then start your side hustle because Mm. side hustles are an insurance to nine to five. Mm. You can say that again. Absolutely incredible. (laughs) What was your role at the ICANN for IR? 
Okay, so there I was leading the pack when it came to concepts and ideas that were aligned to how to bring in workshops, events, conferences that mm-hmm. were mostly aligned with youth and how do we infiltrate the country? How do we infiltrate South Africa's leadership? Because they were focused a lot on government and private entities granting workshops and, and leadership development content. And so then we then brought in the uh, concept to say, in as much as this, you're focusing on grand leaders there in, in the top grand leaders and government government officials but they also need to be open to content on understanding who the young millennial is and who the young client or customer or beneficiary is. Mm-hmm. So bringing on that, look, dear government, this is a majority of how young people think. This is what they're expecting from you. These are some of the things that you might need to consider when you make your decisions. And and I, I think you could go back to say that that's literally basically what I could say I'm an activist about, to say, mm-hmm. learn to understand who your majority customer base is. If government was to begin to look at themselves like how a private entity would look at themselves they look at okay so this is my customer how do i make things better for that particular customer Mm. and not just to say that we are adam skepsels because i think a lot of the times that's how we are perceived by them that we are adam skepsels we are the ones that need to be rescued by them which is not 100 true they are providing a service to us they're providing water rates electricity hospitals clinics police services it's a service that is provided there is a fee attached to that service and as much most of the time we're not happy with that service and then Mm. when we're not happy with the service why is there still a gap over the years of that discontentment that we have Mm. and the unfortunate part is when we do bring in our discontentment they don't solve that problem at that point in time when it's just a small flint at the end Mm. of the day it builds up over years and it becomes a huge fault fire and it becomes even difficult for them to solve it 20 years later and we would then go in and assist in consulting with respect to look this is how the young person generally Mm. works thinks and acts what is your solution to them but then also they shouldn't in coming up with solutions for us engage with us learn to Mm -hmm. engage with us basically what do you bring to the table so to speak (laughs) (laughs) yes yes (laughs) tell us about think africa which you co-founded in 2019 um, sure, that was something that I started with uh, my partner, Scotty Wang. How did we even meet? I think we made via social media and we had so much synergies with respect to how undermined the young person is, how undermined the millennial is, but then also felt that, look, at this point in time, there's this uh, 4IR thing. Young people might not know what it is. Let's break it down and make it simpler into layman's terms. But then also it shouldn't be looked at as some scary things about robotics. What is happening to me? Because that's how most people were looking at it. It was about, what is it? Internet of things, IoT, this and this, big data, ha ha ha. And they would bring this huge jargon to young people and the same people don't understand. And they're just thinking, ah, it's stuff of educated people, but it's actually things Mm. that we use on a daily basis. But Mm -hmm. breaking it down to that, not only just making it as basic, but showing the advanced side of it, Mm -hmm. showing young people the careers that could be in tech that they could decide to step into, things like gaming, things like coding. So we partnered with quite... A number of those in creating like our mini events and mini workshops in that we also partnered with IBM and what we were trying to do is making sure that disadvantaged young people have access to the information and have access to tools that can mm. help them mm. just to have the brain open up to say yes there's this thing by Ibiza what 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 let me see what it's about because a young person from the village a young person from the township makes certain decisions that they make because 
that's all they know. They don't know anything better. And so we just mm-hmm. wanted to be that extra information filter that just brought in particular information that if ever you wanted to decide to do this as a career or whatever, mm-hmm. there's something that you then know about and you can tap into that um, if you wanted to. 100%. So you completed, Rabetsui, the social entrepreneurship program at Gibbs last year. Just to explain, yeah. what kind of a business is a social entrepreneurial venture? Okay, so basically that kind of business is a business that is purpose for profit, mm-hmm. P for P. So when you start an entity whatever it is there is some sort of purpose that it is fulfilling it's not just you wanting to make profits and you want to Mm -hmm, be a capitalist mm -hmm. but you're literally starting a business for the benefit of a particular maybe marginalized uh, group or vulnerable group or say for example you want to start something that is focused on the environment those kinds of things when you start thinking about all the millennial goals and the 17 SDG goals and stuff you know entities that look towards food security that look towards saving energy those kinds of entities entities that actually you could say have heart and basically the course we would do certain case studies of people who would start if let's say they started a spinach garden like one of the people that we were studying about was a spinach king and I think it was today when I heard that you know they're providing loaves of their spinach bread to a particular health warehouse and so Mm. when you look at stories of those types of people who guy basically just starts a business entity because he was like oh my community is starving but we've got a piece of land somewhere there a small piece Mm -hmm. of land we'll just plant spinaches and we'll just feed them and we'll sell them door to door Something that moved from that to now they use the ingredient in food, in muffins, in smoothies, and they actually have a franchise. Mm. They've shifted from Cape Town to Joburg. And learning that you don't just always have to have like a, a business such as that that fulfills some so- social need that depends on funding. But how then do you shift that particular entity into a self-sustaining entity? Because at the end of the day, what you want to make sure is that that entity lasts throughout the years and it just doesn't mm. start, gets funding from somewhere and then we never hear about it any you know Mm -hmm. anytime soon but Mm -hmm. learning that bridge that how can government how can private entities partner with such businesses to bring the service delivery that we need Mm -hmm. or to bring in certain new ideas and new solutions that are needed in the current world Hmm. amazing you have a master's in leadership management on the topic of african millennial leadership why that topic because i am one (laughs) um i just felt that (laughs) I felt that it was, I'm an expert because, you know, I live it every day. Um, But no, basically I went into... (laughs) Yes, girl. I love the struggles every day. I I think I went into that subject after going through a couple of topics that I could have done and scratched them off the board because I identified with it and I just felt that it was a group of people that is still growing. And like I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned uh, before in our interview to say, if you look at the statistics, young people, so this is millennial and including Xennials and these are the people that come afterwards the TikTokers they they consist of a huge chunk of the population if you Mm -hmm. check perhaps the economy they are the economy drivers they are the ones they are the biggest consumers so whether or not they're working they're the ones who buy stuff even if it's through their parents money Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. but they're the ones who consume things from your makeups to fancy phones to whatever young people are the biggest consumers and so therefore it means that most companies need to now understand and how their biggest consumer thinks, how their biggest consumer behaves. And so basically I wrote that to to showcase that and to say, 
look, this is the particular millennial. And also going diving deep into the whole millennial, I researched across the world. So I used statistics based on the millennial in general and then narrowed it to the African millennial because mm. they're different. You know, a millennial in America yeah. is not necessarily the same as a millennial in Africa because mm-hmm. the resources that we have are very limited. So we might not be, I don't even know what the word advanced means because that, that's relative. We don't have the same amount of resources, even to technological improvements. But if you Google some of these young African millennials, some of them have done amazing things. And it's about understanding that demographic. Who is this person mm-hmm. and what can business and government do to make sure that they make, I wouldn't say make them happy, but they are the future decision makers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I did point out in that particular research was the importance of, in as much as like, if you look at African leaders, African presidents mostly are above the ages of 60 all across Mm, the board mm. even in government departments all across the board now how can a generation that is above 60 70 80 some of them how can they make decisions that will benefit the ones that are coming or the ones Mm -hmm. that are the largest population where they themselves will not be there so Mm -hmm. how can you have a person who is let's say 75 years of age make sound economic decisions for a group of people that will be around in the next 60 years where they themselves will not be around and there's a huge gap in that so finding ways of how the two generations can merge or Mm -hmm. and also how in in private entities instead of just having board of directors for example there was a study by Deloitte that they actually did and executed where there is a normal board of directors for the company but then they will Mm -hmm. have another millennial board that will help them make decisions to ask them what do you think they would think like what do you think would make them want our product so if say for Mm. example coca-cola decided to include either a couple of millennials in their current board of directors or create a separate board of directors of millennials to have an input in in the decisions that are made in in Mm. in the entity it would most probably be for the better of that entity it would last longer and be relevant for the customer that they have absolutely amazing so let's delve a bit into your core strengths right i'm gonna say one word and you're going to expand Mm -hmm. a bit just one sentence let's start with okay. intellection well um <laughs> i'll give hey now you are just tapping you know you're acting like henley now <laughs> um personalize um, it i want to know i want to know yeah that's what i'm saying yeah yeah sure my view of of intellection is so back when i was young i thought intellection meant being smart but intellection i think it means being For open-minded you. For you, so open-minded. you are open-minded. Yeah, yeah. So I want yes. you to say I am open-minded. Now we're gonna move okay, on to cool. so I'm maximizing it. Yeah, maximizer. These are your core strengths, by the way. Maximizer. <laughs> <laughs> Maximize. No, I know. I'm a multiplier. <laughs> ah, developer. I build. You build. Okay. Belief. I have conviction. Mm. Significance. One in a million, honey. <laughs> One in a million. And futuristic. I have the third. I'm joking. Yeah, who I are. Yeah. Basically, you know, can I share my strengths with you? I found your strengths Please. very fascinating because can you guess how many we have in common? I could, I must probably would say all of the above. We have four in okay, common. Okay, so which one? Futuristic, developer, intellection, belief, and learner. My fifth one is learner. Ah, ah. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always learning. 100%. So it's, it's 
it's quite fascinating four in common i've never met anybody who i share like four core strengths with anyway so rebe to in 2006 we are moving on to your achievements in 2006 okay. you won the old mutual young tycoons business competition in 2014 you were crowned social entrepreneur of the year by business women's association in limpopo right in 2016 you were recognized as top 9 young community shaper in south africa so well first of all congratulations <laughs> But what Thank are you. some of your what are some of your most recent or most memorable achievements? Most recent, wow! I think something that you mentioned at the beginning, getting into Henley, I actually have a dean scholarship mm-hmm. for that. And yeah, even last year when I went to to Gibbs, I, I got in through the fixed scholarship. And there, you know, mm-hmm. because being a social entrepreneur is literally is who I am or what I am, mm-hmm. um, I prize mm-hmm. that quite a lot because there's a weird, funny story about that. I think I did try to apply not for the scholarship for like a space. for it a couple of years ago and I didn't get mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. like into Gibbs for the program at all and a couple of years later I so much just impulsively applied and I applied mm-hmm. without even having the funding to to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to study I literally just had the faith the belief and I just applied yeah. then heard about the fixed scholarship applied for that and being top 3 women in the country to get that was quite a humbling experience <laughs> So recently, you know, and and it touched my heart because the content that we also got there was quite like I needed to hear this, I needed to get this. And what it also mm-hmm. did was not only do you open up your mind on what is already there, but ideas that you already had, you're able to be more savvy about it. I don't know if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but you're going mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, no, 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 this is how it should be done, and you learn how to be professional. I would say, awesome. So among your several leadership positions, you sat on the Motsepe Foundation Funding Committee board. from 2013 to 2014 what mm-hmm. i want to know is what's the number one criteria you looked for in proposals and requests for funding mm-hmm. the number one was beneficiaries so how much impact would that project make in whatever community if let's say it was a project in a village goramlechi or something like that is it a project that would only benefit five people or at least about 50 people. So those were the kinds of things that I remember that were quite critical because they were trying to make sure that the resources would be multiplied and would mm-hmm. be able to reach, you know, a reasonable number of people. And I guess literally that's a, a something that I actually learned. So when being on the other side of the stick now if mm. you like now or somebody that's busy looking for funding you kind of then understand that investors or funders have a particular hat when when they're looking mm. at your at your proposal mm. and they're looking at how much impact will this particular organization have and so it's something that i guess i would also like to educate other social enterprises when you are looking for funding this is how they think and this is how you need to position yourself so that you are appealing mm. to them i find mm. many people are working they're on the ground but they don't know how to articulate what they're doing and mm. positioning them so that they are appealing to particular funders yeah great stuff if your actions inspire others to dream more learn more mm-hmm. do more and become more you're a leader by john quincy why is that your favorite quote That quote is my favorite quote because it makes me cognizant about the fact that to some degree we're watched. Whether we we're fully knowledgeable about that fact, but you're constantly watched. People are constantly looking at you to find something that can inspire them. And mm. it's not that you always have to be doing it deliberately, but that's the thing. It 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 keeps it keeps it on the front of of my subconscious mind to say that Robert whatever you're doing, yes, you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for people, but people are always watching you. They're watching your character. Mm. They're watching 
your behavior. It's not always about the big things that are in the front, uh, in the forefront or what your profile looks like. It's also mm-hmm. about how you treat people behind the scenes. You know, the more that I've, I've met certain leaders, that's actually one thing that makes me either admire them even more or disregard mm. them. And so for me, that's what makes me like, okay, how do I make this decision? That's literally mm. based on that quote. I see. I see. How do we get in touch with you, Rebid? Socials, website? Um, cool. So socials, um, on Facebook, my name is Rebid Zomolapo. On uh, LinkedIn, it's Rebid Zomolapo. On Instagram, it's Ria Molapo. On Twitter, it's Ria Molapo. Rabetu Imolapo, founder of Young Heirs, continue to make dope things happen. Thank you for coming through. Thank you, honey. I just want to thank everyone who supports this podcast by listening, sharing, clicking, and downloading. We also love to hear from you. Send those emails to info at refilletobeka.com. Let's keep in touch on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at Refilwe Tobeja, Facebook page Refilwe Tobeja and on LinkedIn, I am Refilwe Tato Tobeja. Join me again next week as we level up, level up with yet another pioneer. Take care. Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refilwe Tobeja.